630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Drop pass, Dreisel and McDavid down the middle. Wrist shot, score! Hunter McDavid, just like that. Smith, three clubbing right hands. Right hands have it. Big right-handed shot from Mike Smith. This is the battle of Alberta. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, good evening, friends and neighbors. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight with you for the next couple of hours, taking you into your weekend. Hope you're doing well. Obviously, it's a very strange time for everybody. I've seen a lot of people posting on Facebook or tweeting or putting on social media. Wait a minute, what day is it again? Is it actually the weekend? It is the weekend. I know for a lot of you, your work schedule has been uh, disrupted. Some of you, uh, maybe it hasn't, but for a lot of people it has. We are here for you on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. I am happy to hear from you. As always, 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. I just want to say quickly, it, it's a very strange time, and it's uh, a lot of people are you know isolated, not seeing a lot of people, maybe in some cases not seeing anybody. If, if for whatever reason you have to be totally by yourself, I just want to say this. You, you are not alone. And if you're listening to my voice right now, there's a little bit of human connection. And uh, I've said this before in other shows, Kellen, you're there manning the phones. If somebody calls in, you know, we'll, you know if, they're, if we're in the middle of a guest, we'll, we'll stick with the guest. But if somebody wants to call in, talk sports, say hello, give us a memory, sports-related especially, we'll, uh, we'll do our best to find time to, to put you on. Because I, I want to remember, you know, gonna, I'm going to use a bit of a cheesy cliche here Kellen I'm gonna pull out the cheese you got a little bit of fromage <laughs> a little mozzarella here we're all part of the human family yes so don't forget that and uh you know I'm always happy to speak with you for sure Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. one guy who did speak today Connor McDavid was on a conference call with some other captains in the Pacific Division today now I'm gonna say right off the bat here folks uh this is not what we call broadcast quality audio but uh but I'm, but I'm gonna play the you, you can make it out it's not a super long uh, clip uh, mcdavid was asked how the league should proceed if they are able to get in playoffs i think they look pretty good right now but um but, you know obviously uh a fair uh, a fair season and, and a fair season to full season so um, you know, if, if we can do that then, then that's uh, that's what we'd obviously prefer but um, I don't think we can just step into playoffs and, and you know, game one you know Calgary come to Edmonton and, and guys just run around and kill each other and haven't played a game in you know two months I think uh, you know they'll end up to stock and heat versus the, the Bakersfield Condors if that's the case so um, you know, we want to keep the guys healthy and, and uh, you know we want to make sure that everyone's good, up and ready to to play some 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 playoff hockey, like Gio said earlier. I think 
you know, if, if we can get back to playing, I think it could be some of the best uh, the best playoffs we've ever seen, where you know, everyone's healthy, everyone's uh, rested, and um, you know, it could be real exciting hockey. All right, a little bit there from from Connor McDavid. And again, we apologize. They they did a conference call with uh, you know guys on their computers or laptops recording everything, so it didn't come through as well as we would if we had somebody in in a studio or with a recorder. But McDavid basically saying he'd like to see games, regular season games before the playoffs to get everybody tuned up for that. Uh, McDavid, you know, I'll kind of summarize. He was asked a few questions about his dog. <laughs> this dog is all over social media. Uh, Leonard, his uh, dog. Lenny, I, I think McDavid. Well, I saw a video of Connor uh, shooting a, a puck in a little indoor gym, and uh, Lenny, I think there was a ball, and Lenny tracking it down. And I think Connor was doing some squats while holding Leonard. So this this dog is now the most famous hockey dog in the country. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. McDavid also with this message to the fans right now. Thanking those those that are putting themselves at such a risk to to take care of everyone and, and make sure that we're all safe and healthy. And, um, you know what they're doing is uh, is amazing, and, and uh, you know the numbers that they're dealing with is is crazy, and, and um, they're doing uh, they're doing a great job. So obviously, thank, big thanks to those people, um, to the fans. Like I said, like the, they both, like they all said, is, is we're missing it, we're missing the game, we're missing playing in front of you guys. Um, but the better we do this part and, and stay at home and social distance, then, then the quicker we'll get through this. So. Um, make sure we're all doing our part and we're taking care of each other and, and uh, we'll get out of this soon and um, just hope everyone's staying safe. All right, so a little bit from Captain Connor McDavid. You can get more on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Honestly, guy, I know it's Connor McDavid. He's the captain of the team. He's the most popular player in oil country, but I'm not going to run too much more audio because it, it, it is a little bit tough to listen to, but those were uh, two of the key clips that we uh, that we got out there. McDavid is in Edmonton. That is where he is uh, spending time here as we deal with the coronavirus. Uh, frustrated fan texting in. Fr- we, we know Frustrated Fan is known for the quality of his predictions over the years, Callan. He says, this season will be done in two weeks. That's my prediction, Frustrated Fan. I, I'm going to abs- – look, I, I'm very skeptical that the Stanley Cup is going to be awarded for the for the 1920 season. I think we have a lot of things to deal with before that. But they aren't going to call it off in two weeks. They They will wait till the last possible moment to say – okay, no cup winner, we're entering the offseason, and now we're going to get ready to start the 2021 season. They're going to wait much longer than two weeks for that. Uh, Rod says, Reed, what's your prediction with the Canadian Football League? Will they cancel the season? Well, again, we're a long way from that, Rod. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi was on the show a couple of days ago, and I asked him about playing a shortened season, and he said they want to have a season that is credible and that shortening it is definitely on the table. You know, could the CFL start the season around Labor Day and have every team play 10 games and then do the playoffs in the Grey Cup? I think for sure they could. So I I think with the Canadian Football League, we are a long, long way uh, away from them canceling the season. Postponing training camp, postponing games... Absolutely, you know, saying they might they might have to uh, tinker with the schedule and and adjust this and adjust that. I think that's absolutely on the table. But you know, if hopefully by the fall things are, if not all the way back to normal, a lot closer and hopefully close enough that we can play games with fans in attendance. So I think the Canadian Football League is uh, is a long way from from that. Uh, Hattrick Swayze. Says, uh, who do you think was a better defenseman, Yanni Ninema or Oscar Kleffbaum? Ooh, that's a good question. 
That was a really good question. That'd be a good pair. Uh, Needham was pretty good. Just double checking. Needham. Yeah, I mean, pretty comparable stats to to Clefbaum. I don't know. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I like them both. Needham was a good player. Yeah, they're good. I, I, like might, I don't know. I might give a slight advantage to Clefbaum, but both but pretty pretty comparable. Well, I didn't expect that mm-hmm. question tonight. One thing I want to get here today. Three years ago tomorrow, so on March 28th, 2017, this happened. Brown on its feet, 50 seconds away from the postseason. Shoveled down to center. Here's Kopitar. Wrist shot off the rush and a save made on Brzezinski by Cam Talbot. The desperate Kings working around the end boards. Martinez, 35 seconds to go. Kopitar deep left corner. Brown in an absolute frenzy. The puck pinned in the corner. Four players digging at it. Work free to Martinez. One-timer up top kick. Save made by Talbot. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot. Save Talbot. Rebound. Top of the blue paint. Wrist shot. Martinez. Save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds. Wrist shot. Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. Who freezes the puck with 11.9 to go. Puck is dropped. Oilers come up with it. Edmonton 2. Los Angeles 1. And one of the most storied franchises in the history of the National Hockey League has reclaimed its birthright by stamping its ticket to the playoffs. So that was three years ago. As of tomorrow, the Oilers finally back into the postseason with a win over the L.A. Kings. Mark Letestu, who was an Oiler who played in that game, was on the show last night, and I asked him about finally clinching that spot. The thing I take with it is the relief afterwards uh, getting in. I think, uh, you know, my first year, the, the closing of Rexall, and I don't think we were really expected to, to make the playoffs. It was Connor's first year in the injury. Uh, but then, obviously, he comes back. Uh, puts in, you know, the year he had and the team has, you know, there's several players on that team that had great years and I think it's the reason why we were able to get in and, and do, you know, and win around in the playoffs. Uh, but I just remember that winning that game and finally being in uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of a weight off the shoulders because all, I mean, all you hear is, you know, it's been a decade, it's been 11 years, it's been whatever so that, that pressure mounts on no matter who's wearing the uniform, it doesn't matter if you've been there one year or, or, or all ten. Uh, there's certainly a cloud of pressure around it, and to, to get in and get a chance uh, at a Stanley Cup, and finally, I mean, I, for me, skating out for the, the warm-up at Game One uh, was special. Like just the energy, uh, the pent-up energy, the city, the province, the surrounding area had uh, was really cool to be part of. That was Mark Latestu with some of his memories of the last Oilers playoff appearance. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the executive director of the Alberta Basketball Association. It's my good buddy, Paul Sir. Paul, how are things, man? Well, Reed, uh, they're unusual. <laughs> right? it's a, what, what a time, uh, but, but things are good. Thank you. Uh, we all 
I know are taking the measures necessary in our lives to stay safe and uh, hope all of your listeners are 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 well and uh, staying safe and finding ways to occupy their time. Well, I, I, I thought of a quip during the commercial. Physical distancing, that's how Paul Sir played defense in his career. <laughs> My coaches would have agreed with you. <laughs> no, I that know was... that's not true. You were a gritty all-around player in your heyday. Uh, you know what? I was uh, I was an adequate defender, but uh, my offense definitely had my interest. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It's always great to catch up with you, Paul. And uh, Likewise, you're, you're, you know, like you said, it's it's so different. It's so unusual for everybody. And for a lot of people, their their exercise or their workout campaigns have, have changed or they've had to figure out other things to do. Tell me about Hoops and Home, that the, uh, Hoops at Home, that the Alberta Basketball Association is launching here. Well, I, I, I'd love to say it was a, a completely unique idea, Reed, but it, that would not be true. We, we, uh, we've seen a number of other organizations, a number of other people, and, and honestly, people from around the world that have been doing this have been trying to communicate with people uh, about what they can do within the confines of their own home uh, whether it's around just staying in shape and exercising or if it's centered around a particular sport but what we thought we would do is put an Alberta basketball uh, spin on this and focus on what we can offer to our members, but to all Albertans and and really to everyone about what you can do in your own home. Because if you put a little creative energy into uh, taking a basketball, you can do an awful lot without even going outside. And if you can get outside to your driveway, wow, the the sky's the limit. So uh, we have coaching uh, courses with Reagan Wood, who is the head coach at Concordia University, also handles our coaching development. And then uh, uh, my sons, Steve and Ethan Sir, are both accomplished players, and they're doing videos, unique videos as well. And then we have many more plans to expand on that and offer more videos for more people in, in the coming days ahead. All right. So you can go to the Alberta Basketball Association. Just go to the, the YouTube channel, and then you can access the videos whenever you want, right? You don't have to be on at a certain time? Nope. abbasketball.ca, and uh, it'll hit you right when... Uh, when you click onto our website, then you go to the YouTube channel, and we've got some great videos from from the folks coming out, and like I said, many more to come, Reed. Okay. That's awesome stuff, Paul. Thanks for, for letting people know about that. Um, You're welcome. You know, we, we haven't talked to you for a while, and, you know, speaking of uh, ultra-competitive players, I mean, unfortunately, we lost Kobe Bryant a, f- a few weeks ago, and, you know, he was sort of known, I mean, incredibly skilled, but he, he was... He had that killer instinct, right? I mean, he called himself the 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 Mamba, and the, you admire the players with the with the all round tenacity too. And he certainly brought that in his in his career. Well, he was unlike uh, many. There weren't a lot like Kobe that have ever played the game. Certainly at the highest level, I I think what everyone when they watch Kobe play, particularly when he was young was he, here's a young guy trying to play and to be exactly like Michael Jordan. And he made no bones about that. He wanted to compete like Jordan competed, and he really modeled his his game, but also his competitive approach to the game after Jordan. And those were two of the most ferocious competitors. You can come up with a handful of players that in their 
approach to the game competed like Kobe did. You can mention Jordan, you can mention Bird, Magic, and a few others, but uh, he, he certainly was unique. And what, what a tragic end, not only to his life, but to his daughters and the other people that were with him on that on that heli- on fateful helicopter ride. And a huge loss to the world, certainly to their families. But uh, Kobe left Kobe left his mark on the game and on so many people. Yeah, well said for sure. And we uh, we're in a holding pattern with a lot of sports. We we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, these seasons may not get finished. Are, are as a basketball fan, Paul, are you fine with a, with a modified or shortened playoffs if it came down to that? I mean, if it has to, it has to. I in many ways prefer that the season just be canceled uh, because with the unknown in front of us with what's going to happen, it just seems so hard to conceive of a scenario that makes sense where the games are going to be played. But there's a lot of creative minds in the NBA, certainly in a huge hunger for the games. So maybe they'll come up with a formula that makes sense or not. So I'm certainly open-minded to it, but it'd be hard to imagine watching a game with no fans in the stand uh, as being exciting and, and that entertaining. But we'll see. I don't know how we're going to feel a month or two from now, to be honest with you. So, you know, hopefully the outcome is that we can return gradually to normal lives and that the end of the season could be played. But that right now seems like a distant, uh, a long shot at best. Yeah. Paul, give everybody the uh, the website again. abbasketball.ca. All right, so that's for Alberta basketball, and you can get their Hoops at Home YouTube videos there. Paul, we'll have you on again, man. Thanks so much for checking in. Looking forward to it, Reed, as always. You stay safe. That is Paul Sir, the executive director of the Alberta Basketball Association. Really nice to chat with him tonight. Head coach Perry Pern, when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Optimistic Fan writes in who says, I predict that the virus will be under control by late May. We'll get a few regular season games in and then go straight to a shortened version of the playoffs and the Oilers will win the whole shooting match. That is Optimistic Fan check, uh, texting in 780-496-0063. So we have a texter who calls himself Frustrated Fan. Now we have Optimistic Fan. Maybe we can get seven types of fans just like there are dwarfs. That'd be pretty interesting. Happy fan, angry fan. Well, they'll they'll pick their own handles. Disgruntled we fan. We can't, we can't control it. The Big L writes in. He says, Reed, I have an important question. I was in first place in my 18-team fantasy hockey pool. We just started the quarterfinal week of the playoffs when the NHL came to a halt. If they go straight into the postseason, our fantasy season is done. It really means a lot to me to take my buddy's money. Should I be declared the winner? Should I lawyer up if not? Yes, better call Saul. Big L, that's who you want to call, Saul Goodman. He'll take care of that kerfuffle for you. Perry Pern is on the line, longtime hockey coach for a variety of different organizations. Perry, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good, Reed. The, uh, and <laughs> enjoying my home. 
Yeah, I, 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 I hope you are. Yeah, I think we all appreciate uh, our houses and uh, and some of our distractions a, a little bit more than than uh, than at other times, which is okay. I, I, I felt like that was a bit of a lame introduction, longtime hockey coach for a variety of different organizations. But if I read off your entire resume, uh, it'd be 10 minutes before we got you on. <laughs> well, I have managed to coach for a lot of teams, that's for sure. So I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, I think it's good, and it's uh, it's a profession. One of the old cliches is you're hired to be fired. So let's start there and get this out of the way because we have not done an, an on-air chat uh, since in early January. Uh, you were, uh, you know, removed as head coach of the Canadian women's hockey team. Uh, like what's, what's your read on this, Perry? Can you kind of tell us how this went down and, and the reasons you were given? Well, to tell you the truth, there weren't a lot of reasons given. I had a sense that, uh, you know, the the organization wasn't 100% behind me right from the start of the summer. I, you know, I've been around long enough to know when people are sort of hedging their bets. And, uh, you know, as time went on, uh, I know there was, uh, you know, some unhappiness with how our fall camp went uh, from a player's perspective. I was told that um, to a man, the players consider it the best camp that Hockey Canada had ever had at the women's level. Um, uh, you know, so we came out of that with uh, some some people not being happy with me. And as time went on, like I just realized that how I would see things going was not how. Uh, you know, I guess the management of the program would see how things were going. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, my biggest concern with Hockey Canada would be the fact that, um, you know, they've been doing things a certain way for a long, long time in the women's program. And that's not to say that they weren't good, but uh, lately they haven't been successful, and I think they got to change directions. And... Um, I felt a real reluctance to do that, so I'm assuming that they read my reluctance to do that, and uh, that's why they decided to go another direction. Uh, but, sorry, you said you got the sense the players liked the fall camp, but it still didn't go over well with some people? Yes, yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I think it comes back to, you know, philosophy. My philosophy would be if I'm the head coach, I'm going to touch base with every player that's at a fall camp i want to get to know them i want to i want them to get to know me i want them to have a sense of what to expect from me as a head coach and uh, i think the organization saw they wanted two teams split at at the fall camp me running one my uh, associate coach running the other one and it was almost like i almost got a sense that they were looking for kind of a playoff between me and my associate coach Troy Ryan, who eventually took over. So, uh, like that was not going to be the way I was going to do it. And um, you know, uh, I think there was certainly some dis, you know, uh, some people who were disgruntled over the fact that I didn't do it that way. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, well, that's that's interesting, and and that's too bad. And then I understand it was a. Uh, uh, I just went back and uh, read a piece Jim Matheson did. It was a very uh, fateful cup of coffee that uh, <laughs> you had to endure yeah. while getting the news. Well, you know, and again, uh, it's not the first time I got invited to coffee. 
Um, I had the exact same kind of meeting with uh, uh, Pierre Gauthier in Montreal. And so uh, uh, I kind of knew what was coming. I uh, I wasn't surprised, uh, so I didn't ask a lot of questions other than uh, the, the one question that every coach should ask if you're under contract, am I going to get paid? And uh, I was assured that was going to happen. And so uh, once you get get to that point, you don't need to change. All right. Well, Perry, thanks for going over that. I, I know that's that's always tough when that happens, but thanks for giving uh, giving your perspective of, of what went down with the uh, with the team. And of course, and now there there won't even be a, a women's uh, world championships, unfortunately, because of everything going on with the the coronavirus. So, how have you been? Uh, how have you been keeping busy? Were you watching a lot of NHL? Watching a lot of Oilers before the NHL got paused? Well, I I was, and I had just sort of got into the to the point where now I was going to games uh, with a press pass, being able to watch from upstairs and kind of get a sense for things, uh, you know, was moving towards uh, um, letting people know that I'd be interested in getting back in the game at the NHL level if there were opportunities and uh, uh, kind of working towards what this spring would look like leading into next year. Um, You know, I, I still believe that they can coach and would like to coach. Well, and I think everybody would like to see uh, back coaching for sure. Let me let me ask you a, a, a coaching-type question, uh, and I'm going to tie it into the Oilers here because their power play was first in the NHL. The penalty kill was second. I, I kind of think we have a pretty good sense of why the power play was good when you have some of the talent they have on it. The penalty kill went from second last to second, uh, Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair especially have, have gotten a lot of credit. What did you see from an X's and O's standpoint that you think helped the Oilers' PK go from so bad to so good in a year, basically? Well, I, I, like I, I think a real strong commitment to you know a way to play. I, I think they, they play a fairly aggressive uh, penalty kill. Um, I think uh, that... Uh, they incorporated some things that I've sort of, uh, you know, they they took some good things from what, um, you know, a number of different teams were doing, and I think um, incorporated those together to uh, to be good. But the other thing that has to happen is your personnel has to be better, and uh, I think there's a couple of things there. I think their goaltending was very very good. Uh, you're not going to be a good penalty kill without good goaltending. And I do think like it was a team effort in terms of their coaching staff, in terms of putting that penalty kill together. You know, there's a lot of things in that penalty kill that I know uh, are Glenn Gullickson ideas because I worked with Glenn in Vancouver um, when he was running the penalty kill there. I had a sense for some of the things that he did there. And I think those subtle changes uh, were, you know, Things that uh, Jim Playfair has put into place um, as the penalty kill coach, he's taken some of those ideas and combined them with what he's done very well in the past in uh, Arizona. And as a result, they've they've been very very successful. Yeah, it was it, it was completely different. The feeling I would get watching the games because the two previous seasons when the Oilers took a penalty, I thought, well, okay, here's a momentum swinging goal against and. And this year, I mean, you never like to take penalties, but you didn't feel that 
that nervous that nervousness or that nervous energy in Rogers' place that that the Oilers weren't be able to going to be uh, able to kill it off. Leon Draisaitl, uh, you've, you've seen him for a few years. Absolutely exploded this year. Was leading the league in scoring when they went on pause. Uh, you know, I know Rob and I would still get the odd calls about a about a turnover or whatever, but. I don't know when you play that much, you might lose the puck every once in a while. Um, just tell us why you think he was able to, to elevate to, to such a level this year. Well, uh, first of all, he's, he's a talent, and everybody knew that. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times, like those talented players start to really emerge uh, when you surround them with the right kind of support. And you know, all of a sudden there's a, a winning atmosphere within the room. And, and I think, you know, he jumped on that momentum and, you know, used the skills that he had to, to take full advantage. I think, um, you know, again, a credit to the coaching. I think they showed confidence in him. They, they let him make some of those turnovers, kept playing him, you know, in, in the right situations. And, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt that he that he plays with some other really really top end players, and all of a sudden, like, um, you know, it's it's something I don't think anybody's surprised about because I think everybody saw that was the the ultimate potential that he had. So I'm not surprised that um, he's had the kind of year that he had. I think what really you know, made me um, appreciative of him is how well he played when McDavid was out and uh, the fact that he kind of took the team on his own shoulders there and, um, you know, did a a great job of carrying them through that stretch without McDavid. And uh, so, again, I think uh, that looks really good on him. Perry, when you coached an an ultra-talented player, whether it was at Nate in the NHL, uh, you know, world junior teams uh, y- you had, like, do you have to approach them differently? And I'm not saying, you you know, you show any favoritism to those types of players, but but there are some players, you know, the McDavid's, the Drysaddles, the Crosby's, you know, Ovechkin when it comes to getting a shot away. They just see things that other players don't. And maybe sometimes that you as a coach might not see till you watch it on video after the game. So, so how do you sort of approach... You know those types of players, the defensive responsibility, but the freedom to just okay. You, you might try something that looks low percentage, but in your head, it's going to work because you're such a talented player. Well, I think that uh, you know, like coaching is a you're you're a salesperson, and so um, you know, I, I think the first thing you have to do is convince those top players that. Um, you know, you're in it together, that that you and them are selling the ideas that you think will be successful. And uh, I think, you know, when you get that buy-in from your top players, like it's easy to get the buy-in from the players below. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think that's what good coaches do is they, they have a way of communicating with those top players, getting their input, making them feel that there's a partnership there, that they're working together to make everybody better. And uh, I think when you get to that point, uh, that's where you, you truly have success. Perry Pern joining us tonight 
on Inside Sports. He was telling you the story about his tenure with the uh, Canadian women's team. Of course, he coached here in uh, in Nate for a long time, NHL assistant with several teams. I'm going to throw one at you, Perry, and you can pick. It doesn't have to be an NHL player. It can be anybody you, you want to remember from your career. Who's who's a player that still stands out to you as one of the most intelligent players you ever coached? Maybe he or she wasn't the most talented, but there was just that understanding and that thoroughness and that trust you had with this player. Well, like one of the players, and uh, you know, I don't know if it exactly fits what you're saying, but like was just a unique character was uh, Yarmer Yager in New York, and. Uh, he, you know, he he jumps to mind right away because it goes back to what you were talking about in terms of the uh, the partnership, the top player with the, the head coach and Tom Rennie did an outstanding job with Yarmer in New York, getting him on side, uh, making him believe that you know he had to be um, you know what he was to the team, which was very very important. And then uh, you know it was left. To, you know, guys like myself who were running the power play to, uh, you know, deal with them on a day-to-day basis on some of the, the, you know, the things that were important to him, you know, on special teams and, you know, when playing five-on-five, I ran the defense. You know, I had to sit with him and know exactly who he felt felt he wanted to be on the ice with, you know, in terms of defensive uh, 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 partners and, uh it was a, it was a unique uh, relationship because there were a couple of times where he got mad at me and uh, you know I stood up to him and and I had my reasons why I did what I did um, and you know in every situation eventually it came around to where we we came to an agreement on it and uh, I think you know I I felt that he had bought into kind of what I was selling to him he he. Um, and I had to buy into some of some of the things that he brought to the table. But um, like Dreisaitl, you know, when we really needed him, he stepped to the fore and was, uh, you know, a, a tremendous reason why the whole five years I was in New York, we made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, and as I work with Rob Brown, and he has some incredible stories about you know, talented Yagra <laughs> and how he just... Well, like Rob always tells the story how Yager invited double teams. Like he said, if I'm double team, don't help me because I'll take care of these two guys. You go get open somewhere else. That's how strong and confident he was with the puck. Yeah, like he. I mean, when you you know when you look back on players that have played in the National Hockey League, like he is a unique individual in terms of both his talent and you know his size and and his ability. To, to show the kind of skill that he showed with that size, um, just uh, like he did some amazing things and uh, um, unique to other players, uh, you know, completely different than other people who were stars in the game, uh, but, uh, you know, was a, a true talent. Perry, I'm just going to read a text here I got from a listener named Marcel. He says, Perry tried to teach me how to skate in phys ed class at Nate in 1981. He failed, but he passed me anyway. I've been a fan of his ever since. So there you go. You taught Marcel in 1981. <laughs> well, uh, learn to skate class was uh, was a lot of fun at Nate. Uh, you know, we had a lot, of, uh, a lot of staff members who came through, and it was a great way to get to know people. But, uh, you know, you hope you had some impact on some of them in terms of 
their skating careers. <laughs> hey, Perry, it's great to have you on the show. I know a couple times when you've been on with me in the past, you've come in in studio and done it. We can't do that right now, but I hope the next time you're on, we're sitting across from each other and we're having a fun chat like we did tonight. Thank you so much. Well, I, I hope the same thing, and I, I hope everybody is uh, patient with what we have to go through here to keep things safe for everybody. Right on. That is Perry Pern. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Well, what do we have here, Kel? This is one of my personal favorites. This was a request from the Hermit. Balls to the wall by Accept. Oh, wow. I had this song on a cassette when I was a kid. It was one of the first uh, cassettes I ever owned. Sweet. We do take requests on a sports show, because why not? 780-496-0063 to text if you would like to hear the intro of a song coming back from a commercial break. We will do our best to accommodate. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Good to connect with uh, Perry Pern, who was uh, let go in January as the head coach of the Canadian women's hockey team. And if you heard Perry, he uh, sort of knew that something might be up in uh, the fall that uh, some of the brass with Hockey Canada uh, or people above him within the uh, women's organization didn't like the way that he ran the fall camp so he wasn't uh, overly surprised when they decided to go in a different direction as the term is often used these days. Speaking of cassettes Kellen, so I actually started doing this uh, in in January Mm -hmm. because I had a couple areas of my house where I thought I have to declutter this and organize and sort. Right. So I've been able to spend a little more uh, time on it. I don't know know if you knew this. uh, I ain't going to Oilers practice every morning anymore. So I got a little more time in the morning. So I've been Mm -hmm. doing some decluttering and really a lot of disposing. And I threw out a whole bunch of cassette tapes. Oh, I did. I threw out a whole bunch of mixtapes, you know, old tapes where I, you know, I can now just stream the music. I did keep all my Def Leppard takes, tapes. There you go. And I did keep the first cassette I ever bought, Brian Adams Records. Love it. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.